0: What
1: the cat dragged in. It is my good friend Keith
0: Stone. Hello? Hello? You you Oh, you missed you missed my intro.
1: Yeah, I just heard this is my good friend Keith Stone. That's all I heard.
0: Oh no, no, you, you missed the best part. Okay, let me let me start again. Look at what the cat dragged in. It's my good friend Keith Stone.
1: Ah. Very good. I wonder why you're talking about that. Well, let's first get the introductions. I, I yeah. Um you are George Chapel, I am Keith Stone. I'm and sure this are. is George and Keith's musings. Um normally we talk about pop culture and things we like, but um I'm excited about this one, George, because we're doing a public service today.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, you know, we did the the presidential songs which was entertaining for us. But then we had all those uh, factoids that were little known about presidents. So, you know, we won a lot of awards for uh, Educating America. And we're going to do that again uh, today. And maybe you can start us off. What what are we going to talk about today, George?
0: Well, we we are going to talk about as as you may have, have uh, discerned from my opening statement once i actually got it recorded uh we're going to talk about some idioms out there just common phrases that people use all the time and really don't give them much thought because they they already have a uh a a common meaning uh in in the current language but but we, sometimes we don't always know why we use those uh those phrases so so that's kind of what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about some common idioms and what they mean and where they came from.
1: Right. Two idiots talking about idioms.
0: <laughs> it's the idiot idiom show.
1: Right. So. Okay. I've got a couple of notes on uh, what an idiom actually is, and it's an an idiom. Uh, like the definition is an expression that takes on a figurative meaning when certain words are combined, which is different from the literal definition of the individual words. Now that's kind of like a pretty highbrow Ivy league definition. And I think if you don't understand that you will, once we get going, you know, as soon as we do the first one, for example, you said, look, look what the cat drag did now. People say that all the time, but when, you know, you would say that when somebody comes to like to a party or something or somebody to your house, you haven't seen in a long time, but they're not yeah. being dragged in by a cat. <laughs> well, I hope not. No,
0: no. Well, and they say that's one of the hardest parts of learning another language from what I understand is learning the idioms because, you know, if you're, if you're learning English, you know, you learn vocabulary. You know what a cat is and you know what dragging is. But if someone says, look what the cat dragged in and you don't know the idiom, you're looking around for a cat dragging somebody in.
1: Exactly, George. And it's, um you lead me into some more idiom facts. Um, okay. An idiom is almost always specific to a certain region and they don't translate well to other cultures. Um, right. And like you, you, an idiom really only makes sense if it's used exactly as it is like red tape. You could say I'm cutting through the red tape, but if you said I'm cutting through a crimson ribbon, that would <laughs> that would make no sense. You
0: know what? I'm, I'm using that one. I'm, I'm going to use that one to kind a phrase something.
1: C- complain to your boss there's too yeah. much crimson ribbon to get this done.
0: Yeah, I'm using that.
1: All right, help yourself. So um, I guess that's a pretty good introduction. I hope it's not too boring. Um, We have purposely, this is like the first time that we have communicated about um, what we're going to talk about just so we don't duplicate um, any of our idioms. So we've got our own And I think um, we'll be honest with each other, and if we we have an idea on what it is, maybe we can take a guess. But if you've already, like in our research, we've looked it up, then we should say that, well, I know what that is, so go ahead and explain it, right? Can we do that? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: yeah and some of these ones I have a fairly lengthy explanation for a few of them, and some of them are, are going to be kind of short but you know'll we'll, we'll, we'll see what see what comes
1: that's good. We started out I think we've each got twenty and um there's no this is going to be a multi part um, uh, uh, podcast so don't don't worry you're not going to be stuck on a two hour show about idioms but I think you're going to be you're going to be a lot smarter than than when you started. I think that that's still going to be the case for everybody. I know I learned a lot.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and as as did I. So,
1: okay. Do
0: you want, do you want to kick us off?
1: Sure, and I'll go, and we're just gonna obviously we don't do top ten idioms because I don't really have a favorite idiom. So we're. I'll just kind of go through we'll just go through our list, and yeah. then um we will stop at, at any time that we feel appropriate, maybe we'll do thirty minutes or something like that, and um you know, so just so we could, then next week we could do another one yeah yeah yeah, just because we want to keep you sharp, so if you learn <laughs> if you learn ten or twelve today then you'll be ready you you know you'll be you'll know you'll remember yeah. that and it'll sink in
0: right and if it's too many then you know you might forget a, a few that are going to be on the test so
1: and that right and then yeah. just think how excited you'll be next time you watch jeopardy and the category is idioms you'll be yeah. all over it you'll you'll know them all all right all right so I'm going to go first and it's uh to get one's goat and you know how that means like you would you, you would upset somebody. Um that's what that's what it means. You know, like uh oh that guy he really gets my goat, right? Yep. So that is from do you I are you familiar with that one? Do you have a oh do you, do you do you I'm 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 very
0: familiar with that one. And you know and and I've I've never had a goat, but I may have said that phrase which wouldn't make sense. If, you know if if for someone to who doesn't have a ghost to say it, but because it's an idiom, I think I've said that once or twice.
1: Okay, but I guess my question is, do you know the definition? Well, I don't care. We're not going to do it (laughs) that way. I'm just going to tell you. So now all (laughs) all these idioms, and I don't have it for every one of them, but they seem to come from the English, and they're all very, very old, which makes sense because we talked about how, they don't translate well to other cultures so right. I'm not going to come up with an Islamic idiom because we wouldn't understand it yeah so these are going to be English you know and they came over on the Mayflower and became part of our culture through the years. So to get one's goat is um, you, people used to put a goat in, a, in the hall, in a stall with horses to relax them. It was relaxing them. So a okay. competitor a competitor would steal a goat to hopefully spook that horse, their, their competitor's horse. So to get one's goat, you know, literally means to take the goat, you know, take the goat out of the stall. But, okay. but as far as we're concerned, it means, to get somebody upset like to get the horse upset
0: okay that's you know that that's a surprise to me because i never would have thought that a goat wouldn't help keep a, a horse calm down I, I would have thought the horse would have been a little uh a little nervous about those goat horns
1: well maybe yeah. they uh-huh. yeah you're, maybe they were hornless goats oh <laughs> they're baby goats Boy. you know, they were not yeah. afraid
0: Boy, you really got my hornless goat
1: right <laughs> right
0: okay. well what do you
1: got don't right. mind let me see what yours <laughs> got
0: <laughs> alright uh, I got an idiom here that means that you should try something for yourself rather than taking someone's word for it so it's like if someone if someone uh, tells you uh you know the 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 tigers are are really good this year you know you know take my word for it and it's like no i'm not i'm not just going to take your word for it i'm going to read a few box scores and maybe watch them and and learn that you're full of crap because i i know that they're they're not this year yeah um, so what i what i would say is that you know what i'm going to i'll accept your statement for now but you know what the proof is in the pudding I'm going to watch these guys for myself and do some research on my own, and then I'll come up with my own judgment. Now, the, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, basically, it, it comes from, and and actually this might be the exception that proves the rule, because it actually comes from Miguel Cervantes, a Spanish writer. Uh, his original phrase was, you will see it when you fry the egg. And I think basically that that comes from you know, back back in the old days before refrigeration and all that, you know, you'd, you'd go buy eggs, and you wouldn't know if the eggs were any good or not. And Cervantes said, "You will see it when you fry the eggs." Well, eggs are also a major component in pudding, so when you use the eggs to make the pudding, you'll know
1: that the pudding is good when you actually taste it. So the holy miracle. So we are gone a long ways for this one. Yeah. So the actual
0: phrase is, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. That's the original phrase. That's the original English phrase that came over from Spain.
1: Huh. How
0: about that? So... Now, do you are you going to research it? all because you know, the proof is in the pudding.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, George, I, I tend to <laughs> trust you, so... <laughs>
0: you I, tend to. That's good.
1: Yeah. So... <laughs> So the proof is in the pudding. So what we're proving is whether the eggs are any good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's basically what it is because, you know, it, it was originally, you know, the, you'll find you'll know if the eggs are any good when you fry them. And then, you know, it went from that to, you know, the eggs are good when, you you know, you make the pudding and then you'll taste the pudding. And then if their eggs are crappy, then you'll, you know, you'd kind of know too late because you already made the pudding, but then, then at least you'd know.
1: Well, I hope people are as big a, goofballs as we are because this is interesting to me because you <laughs> say these things you say these things without any concern or idea about what where they came from but the person you're talking to knows immediately what you're saying.
0: Yep, you, they know what it means.
1: Yep, so this is pretty cool. Okay, okay. I've got one for you that is the most recent idiom I bet, in history. Okay. <laughs> and and it is, and it's, maybe it's not so widely used, but you've heard it and you've used it before. <laughs> and that is for something to jump the shark. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. Are you familiar with that one? Have you very, heard of that before?
0: Very much so, yeah.
1: Okay, I've so, if so was, something yeah. jump the shark, I mean, it's like, it's over with. It's not popular anymore. Yeah. Like, uh, Paris Hilton is jump the shark. She it's, nobody cares about her anymore.
0: It, it's stale and 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 uninteresting. Right.
1: Right. So now, how did that start? Well, people of our age would know because we watched a show called Happy Days, yeah. and there was an there was an episode when Fonzie, you know, the the tough guy hero, he water skied and he jumped over a shark, <laughs> and the show kind of went downhill from there and never recovered. So happy days is said to have jumped the shark after that episode. Yeah. And it picked up from there. So um, when something is not as good as it used to be, it, it has jumped the shark. Yep.
0: I think it's kind of in the, it's used a lot in the context of shows, prim- primarily like TV shows where it 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 kind of signifies that, you know, maybe the writers have run out of ideas and uh, you know, so you can see them, you know, when they were writing happy days and it's like, okay, well we got to think of something to do. What can we do that, you know, that
1: that's different and new. And it's
0: like, yeah, we'll have Fonzie ski in his leather jacket and he'll jump over a shark. And he
1: did have the leather jacket on too, which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. So it, it does, you, you can just kind of sense it in the, in the writer's room for that, for that show. Yeah. They were, uh, somebody had to be rolling their eyes, but it's like, yeah, all right. What the hell we'll go with it.
1: Yep. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Okay. All
0: right. All right. Well, um, I, the, the next one I got on my list, uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, if you want to go, you know, put, our, put ourselves back in college and, you know, we're like, you know, we just went and had some big tests and all that. And it's like, you know what, let's do, let's just, let's just go to Chicago for the weekend. And your buddy looks at it and you say, yeah, I'd do that at the drop of a hat. So it, at the, Oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would do that immediately is what that means to me.
0: That's That means, you know, it'll... I'll be ready to go no longer than take for someone to drop their hat on the floor. So it means I'll, I'm, I'm ready to go right now. And basically the or, the origin of this idiom is, is kind of just that it, it goes back to the 19th century. And it was just back at the time when it was very common for, uh, for fights or races like boxing matches or horse races uh, to be, to be started by, uh, either somebody dropping, you know, picking up their hat and dropping it, or just like sweeping it down really fast, and it, it just signified the uh, the the moment when it all starts happening. But it also, you know, it's something that happens very very quickly. So, uh, you know, and again, if you're learning English and and somebody said, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll do that at the drop of a hat, they'll they're probably wondering why the hell you're dropping your hat.
1: Right. See now that's interesting. I always thought everything I ever saw, was like a race would start, like somebody would like wave a handkerchief or something.
0: Yeah, I think it. I think it all kind of has that. Those, those origins too, but it, it's just uh, you know it, it's it's a it's a real it's a real common s- signal that everyone can use as long as as long as they can see they can they can you know they'll know when when to start i guess so i like it yeah okay. the drop of a hat okay at the drop of a hat
1: well and i've used that i mean you know researching there's not one that i haven't heard of and i've probably said on and I, I have no idea why i would say it <laughs> for example for example next up i would go i would love to uh Buy me a Mercedes. And so I go to the Mercedes dealer and I look at the sticker and I say, holy crap, this is going to cost me an arm and a leg. (laughs) Yeah. Which indicates to us that it's going to cost a lot of money. Like you might as well cut off an arm and a leg of mine rather than me pay you $80,000 for that car. Yeah. Now, what that means is you might think, well, I don't know what you might think, but what it means is when you got, back in the day, when you got your portrait painted, um, it costs more to have your limbs showing. So that's why, like, pictures of, like, like famous pictures of, of George Washington, it's always just like from the shoulders up, right? Yeah. Okay. And if you think of anybody like that, there's it's very rare that you will see a, a painting of an individual that includes uh, their arms or their legs because it would cost more to do that.
0: <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so I'm going to, if you want your arm and a leg, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg
1: exactly
0: exactly Exactly. hence the idiom
1: yeah
0: i remember that phrase a a lot back from back from the college days and we 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 used to try and take it literally says man it costs an arm and leg and it's like all right one arm one leg please and i think the the, the kind of the, the the similar phrase that we used to use a lot i remember especially when it was cold so it's like Man, I froze my ass up out there. No, literally. So my ass is all is all the way it's like halfway <laughs> across campus. Froze, literally froze off.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. Perhaps I'll pick it up tomorrow on my way to class.
0: <laughs> oh yes. I remember many many of those type of, of discussions. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of speaking of uh freezing and things that are cold, I've got I've got one here for you. Uh, so if you were if you were hooked on something if you had a bad habit and you wanted to to quit just really fast without any any preparation at all what would what would you do? what do you how do you think you would quit that?
1: Uh, I don't want to. I would uh, quit it cold turkey, George. You, you
0: sure would. You would absolutely quit quit cold turkey. Now cold turkey is. It's a, in this one I never knew where this phrase come from. So so I, w- I was glad to read to research it because it's one that you hear a lot and it's like when someone when someone like like my mom I remember did this once. She she used to be a smoker, and she she just decided to quit one day. She quit cold turkey, um, and she was able to do it. Isn't it a lot of people can't, uh, but she was able to do it. But one but there's a couple origins for the phrase. One of them is that they say with uh, a, a sudden withdrawal from, from opioids, you know, if, if someone hooked on heroin and they quit cold turkey, they say a lot of the withdrawal symptoms they go through, uh, they, they get like a lot of bumps, they get goosebumps on their, on their skin as a, as a reaction. And they say the goosebumps uh, resemble a plucked and refrigerated turkey. So when you quit cold turkey, your skin, you get, you get a lot of goosebumps. And, and so that's one origin of the phrase, but then there's, there's another origin. There's another story that they think it came from, uh, this magazine in England back in the 19th century. It was like a, a humor magazine that was, that was written at the time. And there was a, uh, a character in there, named Mr. Hume, and Mr. Hume would go over to like his uh, his niece's house, I think, for uh, and he'd stay with her for a while. And he didn't; his niece was she was like in his will, and so she'd feed him. Basically, what she she fed him was cold meat or cold turkey uh, with all of the side dishes and everything, and he, that kind of kind of ticked him off. And he stayed with her for a long time. And she kept feeding him cold turkey. So what they say is that when, uh, after, after he left her house, kind of kind of an ungrateful dude because she, she at least let him stay there. But apparently he, he would cut her out of the will uh, because she gave him so much cold turkey. He gave he, he said it was the cold turkey treatment. So because he was given cold turkey so often, he cut her out of the will. Now it seems kind of a kind of a jerky thing to do, but hey, that's that's uh, that's what that's how the story goes. So, um, huh. yeah, over so huh. though, over the decades, cutting someone off in this context came to include cutting something off, as in today's quitting something cold turkey. So,
1: I, I oh, okay, yeah, yeah, so I, I was look- getting confused how we were tying quitting cigarettes to getting fed the same meal every day. Yeah. yeah. But- so that, the uh the opioid thing made more sense to me but that seemed like it was too recent, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, but you know, but I mean, if you think of it though, I mean, opioid addiction is not a recent thing either because there were like if you go back to the civil war, there were a lot of soldiers that got hooked on on morphine uh after the after the civil war. So, so opioid addiction's been around a long time. So I mean, there I think I kind of like that that story better, anyways. So I'm I'm sticking with that one. Okay, it's easier, and to I don't tell. blame you. It's easier to tell.
1: I, <laughs> I like it too, okay. but yeah. But if in doubt, I always go back to the old English version. But yeah. um, anyways, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's keep going here then. Um, now, if I. If if uh, you and I, well, it wouldn't be fair. I guess yeah. if if uh, me and a six hundred pound man <laughs> raced, we had a hundred yard dash. I would think you would say Keith is going to win this race hands down.
0: <laughs> I would I would say that yeah,
1: right. And that doesn't mean I'm going to run with my hands down at my waist and not move them at all right it just means that obviously you're going to win it easily
0: okay yeah and
1: that comes back from horse racing days and when a horse was way ahead in a race the jockey could remove his hands from the reins so his hands were down oh okay so he was so far ahead that's where hands down comes from.
0: Okay. I remember Usain Bolt kind of ran like that. Remember he he he'd be running really fast and he'd get be so far ahead of the guys he'd kind of like pull up. Uh Yep. Almost yeah, he almost put his hands down too. Yep. I, you know, I kind of thought where this one was going and I don't know if if the, there's any truth to it or not, but I I you know, I was I was thinking it was going to be like a poker thing. Like if if one guy's got you know four Yep. Eight, and you know everyone calls him. He puts four aces down. Everyone else would just put their hands down, and not even bother to show. That's where that's where I thought it was going. But
1: well, that's what we're here for, George. Because yeah, I would hate for people to go through life thinking that hands down came from poker. Yeah, when it actually came from horse racing. All right. Well, see, so so
0: far horse racing's uh, made its way into a couple of them. At the drop of a hat, we've got horse racing. Got hands. down. Yeah. Basically, in horse racing, things are, are, are dropping.
1: <laughs> well,
0: Hats are dropping, hands are dropping.
1: And I had to get one's goat was in a horse's stall. What the what? heck? Everything involves horses.
0: It sure seems to.
1: I'm surprised Fonzie didn't try to like jump the horse corral or something. <laughs> that would have uh, made more sense. Okay, on to you. What do you got that's got to do with horses?
0: Well, this one kind of has something to do with horses because I'm going back to the Middle Ages uh, with uh, knights in shining armor. You know, they used to ride horses. And when they would, uh, they'd be in like a joust or something and they would, they would like dedicate the joust to, you know, the maiden fair sitting up in the, uh, uh, in the stands, she would oftentimes give him like a, a flower or something, you know, to kind of like represent her in the joust. And he would he would take that that bit of uh, adornment from her and put it on his sleeve. Uh, so it was an it was an open uh, statement of his affection for her when he would wear her heart on his sleeve.
1: Ah, okay. Because
0: the, phrase, because the phrase "wear your heart on your sleeve" kind of comes from. Uh, well, what, what it means is that you're you're not shy about sharing your emotions, and you're you're very open and uh, with with all your feelings. And so, basically, what this knight was doing is he was being he was, staying to the whole crowd that he's dedicating this joust to his his girlfriend up in the stands.
1: Okay, so I like it. Yeah. So okay, so and and when you wear your heart on your sleeves, it always, well, I want to say it always kind of involves a love interest or romance. And maybe that's incorrect, but
0: well, that's certainly
1: that's certainly how it started. Well, it's,
0: and it certainly it it certainly indicates a, a passion, something that someone is very passionate about. Uh, you know, being, a, a you know, another person or, you know, your favorite sports team or, you know, whatever whatever people are, are have a great deal of passion for, they will are set to wear their heart on their sleeve in, in that regard.
1: Okay, gotcha. I like it. Very yeah. good. Okay, now back to the horses. Um, <laughs> this is one that you've heard of. And you might think of Mr. Ed when I say this, but it's straight from the horse's mouth. (laughs) Now, everybody's heard that. And it's not it's not Mr. Ed, you know, talking to Wilbur or anything like that. (laughs) But what it was about was um, so, you know, say I want to I'm going to buy a horse from you and you tell me, yeah, this horse is only three years old and, you know, it's that's why I'm charging you so many dollars for this horse because it's a youngster. It's great. And I'd say, all right, George, I want to believe you, but um, I'd rather get it straight from the horse's mouth. And so that would mean that the buyer would examine the horse's uh, age by examining her teeth. Oh. So th- that's how you could tell.
0: You, you know, I, the, I'd, I'd say the proof is in the pudding.
1: well yeah true maybe but um i you know you can't milk a horse so um you never know what you get but anyways um so that's the thing so so um i i look in the horse's mouth i can determine the age of the horse so you tell me it's three and i look in there it says Hey, man, this horse has got 10-year-old teeth, so there's no way I'm paying you as much as you want.
0: And you, you're getting the information that's straight from the horse's mouth.
1: Correct. Yeah. All right. Good one. Yep. yep. All
0: right. Well, I've, okay, my next one here, um, if, if something is uh, – if if someone is is really good at, at something that might be kind of difficult, you'd probably say that they, they, that person can cut the mustard. So, you know, which is, which is a really strange phrase. Again, especially if you're from, you know, from another country and you're trying to learn the language, it's like cut the mustard. How hard can mustard be to cut? You know, if you open the jar and it's like, it's a, it's, it's a condiment, but,
1: yeah, yeah, this is, yeah. yeah, why would, okay, good, why would I ever cut mustard? Like, why is it hard oh. to cut, cut the mustard?
0: Well, this was, this was kind of a tough one to research because there were, there were not a lot of, there wasn't anyone out there that was really sure where it comes from, but I, they did cite a few examples, so I like, I like some of the examples that they had. So here's one, one they said is like, well, the mustard doesn't refer to, uh, you know, mustard that, you know, you squeeze out of a squeezy bottle. It refers to a mustard seed, which is really which is real tiny and hard to cut with an with a knife because it's really small uh another one they say that, that that's probably more likely is that uh mustard plants i guess are really tough and stringy, so you know if you're to, and they're kind of weedy too so if you go out and and try and hack them down, you gotta have a really sharp knife to be able to cut the mustard down mm. um, um another one another one I kind of like this one. Like, so you can go and buy like mustard spice right so if you just it's it's just like powdered mustard mm-hmm. uh but when you when you cut it it when, to make it more palatable you you don't cut it with a knife, but you cut it by adding vinegar to it, so you're kind of you're turning it from this uh this powder into a into a a paste or a liquid by cutting it with vinegar so if something cuts the mustard it actually makes something unpalatable more palatable. So,
1: Oh, okay. So
0: that that was probably my, that, that was one I kind of liked the best as an explanation of what cut the mustard was. It wasn't actually cutting it with a knife, but cutting it in a culinary sense uh, and making it something that you would actually want to eat.
1: I like that too. And we, being dummies, we naturally think of the condiment and but give yeah. no give no regard to how silly that is and just say cut the mustard we just assume i don't know it must be something <laughs> about cutting a liquid that's more <laughs> difficult than i think
0: yeah yeah so so there you
1: so go here's a here's a funny little story about cutting the mustard um i used to go to tiger games like all the time like in 84, when they were, you know, when they were good from beginning to end. And I always sat out in the left field grandstand with my friends. And there was a hot dog vendor out there. And he was, before Anthony Davis came, or whatever the guy is that plays for the Pelicans, plays the NBA. Okay. He was called the Brow, because he had these <laughs> these brows that were just all over the place. These old white brows that were... Never trimmed in his whole life. Okay. But he was a hot dog vendor, and he was trying to be a funny guy. And he would say, uh, like you say with the play in the Orioles, he'll say, say, the Orioles will never catch up. And he'd hold up a bottle of ketchup. <laughs> and he'd say, because <laughs> they can't cut the mustard. And he'd hold up a little container of mustard.
0: Oh, all right. So that
1: was his shtick. And that was the brow. Nice one. Okay. That was the brow. So he used that one. So I was aware of that one a long time ago. Um, normally I would say we could stop at this point, but no, I have one more horse one I have to get in. Okay. Uh, before we do that. And that is to look a gift horse in the mouth.
0: All right. This, this is kind of a corollary to your, uh, you're straight from the horse's mouth. Okay. It
1: absolutely is, which yeah. is why i wanted I wanted to get this one in. All right. Um, and so it always, they always tell you, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Yep. Like that is a bad thing to do. Um, if someone's, I know, it something,
0: something just you, you accept it and you say thank you and you
1: move on. Correct. Yep. And what it is is. If somebody gave you a horse, it's bad etiquette for you to look the horse in the mouth to see how old it is because it's a gift. What do you care? (laughs) So don't look a gift horse in the mouth, but you might want to do, you might want to look in their mouth if if you're paying money for it. But for the same reasons of examining the age of the horse, you don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth right and
0: that's that's straight from the horse's mouth
1: correct so they're linked together but um you would never use those you would never use them. to us they mean completely different things and that is once again for the thousandth time that's the thing about an idiom (laughs) beautiful correct
0: you're absolutely right
1: Okay, all right. so you want to hit us with another one, or do you want to save it for next time, or what would you like to do?
0: Um, I got, I got, I got one, I got one more I got to do. Uh, this is probably the one I've been looking most forward to.
1: Oh, all right, good, uh, good, and, good.
0: And you, you kind of led into it a little bit by talking about the mustard man, and you were talking about the Orioles. And and this is basically if you can accomplish, uh. A couple of different uh chores by doing one thing we say that killing two birds with one stone and basically that came from uh actually that goes all the way back to like the ancient greek uh greek mythology you might remember icarus and Daedalus, the guy the guy one guy that tried to make uh uh wings out of out of feathers and wax and and flues and sun and all that well apparently they say that uh the 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 uh the myth was that uh he got he got those he made got those uh wings or the feathers by killing uh two birds with one stone uh yeah you know just just as simple as that. Um, but one of the things I kind of like about this idiom is that it's been in the news recently. Uh, you know, our our, old, our friends at PETA, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, don't like this phrase because they don't they they say it's speciesist and uh, you know it, and it promotes uh, killing birds. And they instead of saying kill two birds with one stone, they want us to now say feed two birds with one scone, which I'm sorry, that's, that's just lame, but I had, I had to say that anyways,
1: you but, gotta be kidding me,
0: <laughs> but, but actually the most important thing with, with this, this phrase, and I, um, I just got to believe that a baseball announcer would just jump out of his seat. If he was ever watching Keith Stone play an infield position and getting an unassisted double play against either the Cardinals, the Orioles, or the Blue Jays, you know that that announcer is just going to love to say, they just killed two birds with one stone.
1: Ah uh, yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: so that's that that's that'd be my my dream call the day I ever become a baseball announcer.
1: Excellent. Well, you say put that one in your back pocket.
0: I I absolutely And then
1: well. And then when like my great great grandson has planned, you can yep. use it. And but it's... so let's go back to the, the real origination of it. You're telling me is because this Icarus guy make getting these wings, he would he would kill he, he... Didn't able to get those wings. He killed the birds with a stone. Yep,
0: yep. He he made the wings out of out of two birds that he killed with one stone. That that was just how the myth went, and then he, so he, he, you know, he plucked the bird and got the got the feathers and attached the wax. So, yeah,
1: was that to make him sound more heroic, like he is such a godlike figure that he is able to kill two birds with one simple stone?
0: I, I, you know, I, 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 that could be. I can't. I can't say I I got that far into it.
1: Because other than that. It doesn't so I'm not impressed by it, but, <laughs> but okay. But I'll go that, with that. I'll go that, with that.
0: Yeah. But that, that was just, yeah. I, and there was really wasn't uh, anything more than, that I could find in the research other than that, except that, you know, I got, I got the little, little PETA thing, which is, is lame. And then, you know, my, uh my dream call from as being a baseball announcer. So.
1: Yeah. I think you made that one up just so you could talk about <laughs> the baseball call. <laughs> it could be, but, uh, but, um, you know, I'm going to – I may not take that straight from the horse's mouth. I don't know. <laughs> and you're you're getting my goat with that one, George. Oh, no. So that's – we only did six, and we're way deeper in a time than I promised our audience. But uh just think how much you learned, folks. Run these back, and then when you – when you're at a party you can bore people completely to death and they'll probably hate you when somebody says, oh, that's straight from the horse's mouth, say, Well, you know the uh <laughs> the it'd be like Cliff Clavin, right? Oh everybody yeah. Everybody hates everybody hates to know it all. Well, you can get people's goat by doing that. <laughs> so I don't know. Have fun with it. And uh yeah, it's like George, we're gonna have two or three more episodes of this just because we've got so much great information and I'm and we're so excited to educate the public it's it's what we do
0: it should it absolutely is all right all
1: right so uh, I will see you on the flip side and we will do uh, idioms part two
0: very good see you all see you later all right okay